Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the beautiful studios of Relate365.com. At the beautiful campus of Silver Tranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. I can barely say that, but you know, know. But we have Nicolay Bible Institute here as well during the Hey, year. we got a big weekend coming up. A big weekend. And what is it? Well, I know by the time people listen to this, it's not going to be here, but you can check it out for next year. That's and right. What's it called? It's called Winter Jam. And what do we do? Winter Jam. So it's like summer camp. Winter style for middle school and high school students. Fun. And how many young people are we expecting? We are expecting like 330 young people. So we're going to cram them in here. It's going to be packed. You know, we have a lot of fun. Uh, Speaker, worship, broomball tournament, tubing, power tubing. And we have plenty of snow. We have two feet of snow on the ground. Oh, man. Plenty. Lots of snow. It's more snow than, and it's going to be gorgeous. Yep. You know, be above freezing. Above on freezing. Yeah, and even Sundays. Well, people they listening Sunday, to us in Jamaica are going above freezing is gorgeous. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah, relative, yeah, actually, especially when you when you face winter for six months of the year where there's snow on the ground. Now there's going to be people in Alaska be like, "Poof, yeah, what are you talking about?" Yeah. But anyways, here in Wisconsin, that's a big deal. And so anytime you get weather that just is above freezing, it's like, oh, that's a gorgeous day. Yeah. For those of you that don't live in Wisconsin, we've had a record warm January. Yeah. Which means it was in the high 20s. That's <laughs> still below freezing. <laughs> and, and some days it hit actually by us about 33. That's right. That's right. Well, Sunday, this Sunday, it's going to be 44. Well, I'll wait and see. I'll wait. Oh. You know, most of the time up here, it's a little less. The snow cover, believe it or not, lowers the temperature. Oh. Because of that cold emulating all the time from the snow. so it, It's been it, pretty accurate on my on my, on my digital, cl- uh, I was going to say clock, yeah. on my digital reader outside in my house. Well, it'll be fun. we got to get all the trails groomed and everything before because once it gets soft like that, it's hard to get out there with the big equipment. That's right. Me. That's right. So, anyway, I was reading in uh, Mark, Mark, and I want to talk to you about that. The book of Mark, the Which sixth is in the New Testament. chapter. And Jesus is rejected. Okay. Like what, what kind of what kind of people reject Jesus? People that don't know what's going on. Yeah, like, I'm trying to look at his life now and say, why would you reject this guy? Uh huh. At this point, what would cause somebody to reject somebody who heals the sick, who feeds five thousand? I mean, what does it take to reject this guy? Hmm. Why would you reject him? I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, it happens on a regular basis because we look around the world and there's still people that reject Jesus, but. But why? These are the people that actually lived and breathed and walked with Jesus, which is astonishing. Yeah. So if, if you're at home and you're listening to this and you're rejecting Jesus, I'm asking why. Of course, if you're rejecting Jesus, you're probably not listening to this. So bring Fair. it to somebody else and ask them why, since yeah. if you are listening, you're probably not rejecting. But anyway, in this sixth chapter of Mark, it says, he went away from there, came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were astonished. Now, many were astonished. That's what it says. Okay. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done at his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon? I, and are not his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor in his except in his hometown and among his relatives in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That, that's interesting. It's like, yeah. you know, I'll heal a few people anyway mm-hmm. um, because they need it and they're not in this ruckus of rejection. Yeah. 
I'm trying to figure out. So, so Jesus walks into a place, and he's really smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, really smart. And yeah. people are asking that. If you, you look up in the second verse, they're saying, you know, this guy's smart, man. Where does he get these things? And then they say, I don't know why he's so smart. He's just one of us. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, he's not smart because he's one of us. Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You know what? If you're rejecting God, I think you don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, and, and again, you might say, well, that's, how dare you say that? Ah, I, it's America. I can say that. In Mark 6, the seventh verse, it goes, and he began, oh, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except sta- a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to... Uh, put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. It's interesting to me how how Jesus says, you know what? You are going to face some really difficult moments just representing the truth. Mm-hmm. You're going to go and you're going to say things, and people, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, even if they don't have a reason, that's even reason. if they don't have a reason, they're going to reject what you say. And they did that to him. And it's interesting that the verses I read first were about people rejecting Jesus for no apparent reason other than he was a local. Mm-hmm. And then for these guys going out saying, I met Jesus. And then they're saying, you know, but these people are against them saying, oh, no, you didn't. And no, Jesus can't do anything. And, and Jesus is telling them something about the human spirit. If they don't want to change, mm-hmm. if they don't want to make a decision, you're not going to make them. Yeah. But you did give them the chance, didn't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, you were there. You gave them the chance. So what I want to ask you about, you have uh, three sons. I do have three boys. And what, what age are they? Six, three, and two. Okay. And so uh, you are married, you have three sons, you are the head of a household up here yeah. in the Northwoods, and you're, you work here at Silver Birch Ranch as our program man and take care of all the summer stuff and a bunch of other stuff like this weekend coming up. And so you are convinced of the importance of enjoying God, walking with God, loving God. Yeah, absolutely. So when you go home, um, you're dad to those kids. Mm-hmm. You're husband to your wife. Yeah. Do they think you're overly brilliant? Of course. Of course they do. <laughs> and you have, I've, I have a Brooklyn Bridge I'd like to sell you too. Uh, there's a few bridges I have for sale. You make the check here, please, to me. That's right. Uh, you know what? They, they do it sometimes. They I mean, do. sometimes the, right. the younger ones will. Yeah. And as they grow up, um, you know, I remember my dad was somebody who was very active, he was mm-hmm. a, a pastor. He did, in his day, he started the Iwana Youth Association, started a couple of camps, was always hanging around with people doing something. Uh, he really was somebody who could hang out in circles of evangelicals in the who's who circle if he felt like it, and he did sometimes. But whenever he did, he would drag me along a lot of times just to be with him. So they might go meet for breakfast, and I'd be sitting there, you know, he'd order me pancakes with extra whipped cream on mm-hmm. it or something, keep me stuffing my face while they talk. Right. But I was always listening to him. But you know what? He was always my dad. Yeah. He wasn't overly special. Yeah. I, I know people are cringing. He's not overly special. No, he wasn't. He was my dad. Yeah. So anytime, uh, you know, he had this, you've been there because you were in, in the church. You know, his office was way back in, 
I mean, he, he had a big secretary's office, and then you, you had to go. You through had to that. walk through the secretary's office to get his. Yeah, office. and it was a long. Or walk through the back stairwell. Yeah, and come up and, <laughs> and come up the ambush stairs. him. That's right. Uh, but what's interesting there is is his secretary. Her name was Berta. She was like the guard. Yeah, you know, nobody got to him. If I came in church because he was my dad, I just open the door and say, "Hi, Berta." Yeah. And uh, as I'm walking by her desk, I say, "Is my dad in?" That's right. <laughs> Knowing that yeah. it didn't matter if he yeah. was or was he, you were going yeah. in. And and she'd go, ah, he's busy right now. And you go, ah, really? And I said, I wonder if I should just knock and because I have a quick question I got to ask him, and I think he'll be unbusy for me. That's right. If I have a quick question, yeah. In other words, the poor man got no respect almost from his son. Yeah. Everyone else would say, oh, he's busy. I got it. You know. So there's something in my. <laughs> And there is a stigma with your dad. There, there, everybody, everybody, that, everybody besides you, right? You know, oh, Pastor Wager. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like this aura. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I but, mean, I was too young to really know your dad. But. but his kids didn't have it. Yeah. I mean, we grew up with him. Yeah. Now he was smart, liked to work hard. That I mean, he was a great dad. Mm-hmm. But he was dad, so it wasn't somebody I didn't go to and talk to about whatever. Yeah. Went to ball games together, did things, you know, that other people say, you don't do that with him. Yeah, he was my dad. But in the process, I don't think that I was ever overly impressed with how smart he was. Mm. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, no, he's my dad. Right. You know, he he's always says things like that. Mm-hmm. And as you grow up, and, and so what happened is, is that I kind of emulated what he did, not knowing that I was doing that just because... I had no other examples, and he lived with us. Mm-hmm. So you you become like the one you're living yeah. with. Um, it's interesting when uh, John, in the, in the book of John, we just read from the book of Mark, but in the book of John, it tells us that um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Mm-hmm. And in other words, John is saying, you know, Jesus was somebody that was always been around, and his, the concept, the idea of God is embodied in him. And then a little later he says, and the word became flesh. So yeah. Jesus became flesh so that he could show us who God is and, and he could be an example to us. Mm-hmm. So you're a dad, three sons, and a wife. My question to you obviously is, how do you get it so that your sons and your wife respond to you as their leader and teacher? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I, th- I think a huge part of it is you do life with them. Okay. You know, I think relationship is important. And so, especially with my boys, they respond best when the attention is given to them, you know, and when they're talking, I listen, you know, whereas if I were just to, you know, come in and I'll say, hey, don't do that, you know, they don't respond as well. You know, so I, I really do think that in order to to do that, you have to do life and, and respond to that relationship. Um because even as parents, and I'm learning this, you were a parent at one point. It seems like your parents, when or your your children, am. I'm still a parent. That's right, you are. Yep. Touche, different stage. Yep. Thanks for the correction. No problem. Um, and when your when your children are with other people, they seem to, well, most of the time, be like angels, and they're always quote unquote at their best, aka satire, aka you know, at their worst when they're around you guys. But I think that's because they they feel comfortable and they're in the training ground. Um, and, and sometimes they take advantage of the fact or forget that your mom and dad and that right. we love them so much. You know what I'm saying? So you almost, they, knowing that side of it, you know, there's understanding the fact of the, 
the comfortability that they have to let down their guard right to be in that learning environment right well what's interesting is i mean what i've learned through the years is there's there's really phases people go through young people especially and you have to understand what phase they're in and in the beginning of their life the phase is very simple they're they're so totally dependent on you you're a monster to them you're yeah. big you're the one that cares from they understand that so at the beginning of the the phase they you know they're they're looking to you saying here's how it is now as they grow up in their home you and your wife and and you know you have certain habits you're into you have certain ways you think certain mm-hmm. things that you understand certain things that you convey to each other yeah those become what's normal to them yeah now the honest truth is those children then whoever they are uh, whoever's listening your children the same way that becomes their norm yeah Whatever that is, that's their norm. Mm -hmm. Now, there will come a day where they realize that the norm that they grew up with is not everybody else's norm. Yep. That's a day you got to watch. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like, hey, I just recognized something. I got a friend at school. Mm -hmm. He says his mom and dad throw dishes at each other. Yeah. We don't do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. It's like, but for him it's normal. Right. I went to his house and we watched this movie. You would never let us watch that movie. Right. His parents are fine with it. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden there's this conflict Yeah. that starts to arise. And it's a conflict that's, that goes into the very being of the child because they're, they're th- sitting there thinking, okay, are my parents right and everybody else wrong? Mm. Now, most children will not talk to you about that. Right. They won't do that. Mm-hmm. Because they'll feel I can't say that I think my parents are wrong and question that because I'm loyal. Right. So they go through their life. They go through their life trying to figure out how do I deal with this issue that there are people outside that are nice people that are good people that are to them, mm-hmm. you know, but they think differently. Right. Are they wrong? And why am is my family different? Right. So what I would suggest for you is that you anticipate that ahead of time as a young parent. Yeah. And say, you know, right now they, they, our children are at the age where this is the normative behavior for them. This is what they think everybody's house is like. Mm-hmm. This is how they think it do, it's done. Now, again, you might have some other people in your life and however they have it in their life, grandparents, whatever it might be, but this is what they consider normative. Mm-hmm. Um, you go places with your parents, right? Yeah. So, uh, is anything different when you go with your grand with the, they're with their grandparents, you with your parents? Is there anything different how you live when you're with them? Uh, a little bit different. Okay. Now they recognize that. Yeah. Um. Now, when you come home, do you ever talk about the differences? No. See, that might be important mm. in a, in a way that's non-threatening. Yeah. You know, to just acknowledge the difference. Mm-hmm. So that they get the idea that there's different norms out there and that you're willing to talk about them. Yeah. And and you might even say, here's why we don't do that. Here's why we do that. I mean, you know what? And and we love these people. They just think differently than we do. You know, whatever it might be. Because right. all of us have that in our lives where we're with somebody. And on the way home, you know, whoever we were with, their lives were so different. But we never mention it. Mm-hmm. We're just quiet about it because we don't want to disrespect them. Right. But then our kids begin to wonder. Mm-hmm. who's right? Right. But they won't say anything. Mm-hmm. So I say break the barrier. When you see something that's not the same, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's okay to say, you know what, here's how somebody else thinks. Yeah. I understand how they think. And here's why, you know, we disagree. Now, we love them. And when we're with them, uh, we're going to eat banana cream pie, even though we never serve it here at our house. Right, right. You know, here's why we don't serve banana cream pie. Mm-hmm. You know, or um, uh, like you can pick some other subject, like maybe vaccinations or something. Yeah. You know, there's some families that won't touch them. There's some families. Uh, so you could have gone somewhere and the mother is just ranting and raving about. Uh, now, do you do vaccinations or don't? We don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're somewhere in a mother saying, oh, you got to get them and you're communist if you don't. I mean, on and on and on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and your kids are listening going. Well, my friends have vaccinations. I right. don't have vaccinations. What's a vaccination? You know, yeah, what is a vaccination? <laughs> and, and is it evil? Uh, you know, I don't know. So when you go home, you know, it'd be wise to just talk about it. Yeah. Now, they came up. They're actually, your older one especially, I mean, they're recognizing the difference. Right, right. But they probably won't talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. So you need to bring it up in a very non-threatening, not con- confrontative way. Yeah. If you can. And that's the challenge, I think, for parents of young kids is to realize, okay, right now Mm -hmm. there's a control factor. They think everybody in the world's like you. Right. But as they discover they're not, how are you going to handle that? Mm -hmm. If you handle it by saying, well, we just do it that way. Okay. They're waiting till they're 18 and out of the house. Yeah. And then they'll just say, I just do it this way. Mm -hmm. Because that's your reasoning. You better have better reasoning than that. Right. So I would I would suggest that you recognize that's a stage that kids get in and, and that you start as early as possible forging the dialogue. Yeah, because then it'll make a habit of the dialogue as they grow older, hopefully. Exactly. So somebody comes home and says, hey, Dad, you know what? We just watched this movie, and you'd never allow that movie. But they're not afraid to tell you that. Yeah. And you're going, okay. Do you know why we wouldn't watch it? Yeah. Now you've got a dialogue going on, and now you can still affirm the people that you love them. You just disagree with them. And again, is our culture having trouble with that idea where they disagree with somebody and then they have to hate them? Right. Uh, of course. So mm-hmm. they need to see a parent say, we disagree. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I would say, now that I think of it, there are times that we do that with our, our son, you know, because there are times where he does ask, yeah. you know, various things, you know, even, even as he goes to school now. Um, there's things that they do in school that we wouldn't necessarily do at home. Right. Um, and so it's just dialoguing with him, you know, and I think that's important too, especially in a, you know, he just goes to a public school. And so just to be active in his learning process to make sure that he's understanding that, you know, maybe everything, you know, everything that they teach at school isn't necessarily truth either. Right. You know, just because they teach it doesn't mean it's true. Absolutely. You know, and that's a skill that they need to learn at some point is that just because somebody's telling you something doesn't may, may mean that it's true. And, and and then it's, as they grow older, well, it's like, how do you, they'll ask the questions, how do you know what is true? And then you go down that path and, yeah. and try to coach them in that. You know, I'm not at that phase yet, but I'm anticipating that phase. You will be soon. Because, you, you, you will know, be on certain areas. I mean, I, it's all right. I mean, even the questions that, that my oldest son comes up with now, I'm, I'm pretty amazed at. Yeah. Um, and just being able to be able to simply explain it. Yeah. You know, right now he's at the stage where the answers can be simplistic and he, and it satisfies him, you know, but obviously with age, the complexity of the answer would, would, would come alongside of it as well. Yep. Um, but I think it's important, you know, for any age of parents to be actively engaging in not only when it's relational differences, but even in the things that they're learning, the things that they're exposed to more and more so 
because they're going to come across a lot of things at a lot of different points. And I think the more you make it a normal thing to dialogue about it, the the better. And not not to to rub it in their face like, oh, don't do that. Right. You know, because if you reply every time, oh, you did that? You shouldn't have done that. Right. You know, then they're going to learn the opposite not to tell you because you're going to have the same response. Absolutely. They'll figure out ways to secretly do it. Right. And I think the key thing in in what you were saying is to do it in a non-evasive way. Right. And I think that's that's the, the learning process as a parent because there are times where they might, you know, even my son does things or, you know, he says things and my gut is like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. But I have to realize he's in the learning phase. And so even though I think he should have known, right? you know, obviously he didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to, you know, try to explain to him, oh, okay, well, let's talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's important for wh- whatever age of parent. You know, I have younger kids and, you know, you may be listening to the show today. You might have teenagers, you know, or almost teenagers or maybe they're out of the high school. And it's, you know, I would say that it's never too late to try to start dialoguing if you haven't dialogued. Absolutely. Because I, I think that's important, especially as we look at our culture, you know, these young people aren't used to dialoguing outside of their phones. Yeah. Plus, people, young people today do not know how to accept the differences without hating. Right. Because, and they've learned that from somewhere, by the way. Right. There, there's somebody who's saying things that's pretty harsh to other people. Yeah. Th- when they disagree with them. Right. What we have to do is train them that when somebody believes something different than we believe, we have an authority that we go to. Somehow we, we have an authority, yeah. which is the Bible for us. And we want to go to it and talk to you about what's in there. Yeah. And, and that's where we always want to go for the simple absolute truths. That's where we want to go. Because what's going to happen is people will not, uh, the kids will grow up, they won't want to call their friends wrong. Mm-hmm. They won't want to do that. But you just did that. So how do you talk now to them about their friends because of that? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the process. Otherwise, they're just going to go and tell the kid, you're wrong because my dad said you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how many people in life change because we tell them they're idiots? <laughs> I mean, how many people change because we, we go on Facebook and, and tell them, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And, oh, yeah, I'm going to repent right now and change because you said that. Right. That's not how people change. No. I don't know that anyone actually changes from a non-relational lecture. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, somebody talking to them and they don't have any relationship with them at all and they ball them out for something. I don't think that changes a life right. at that point. Um, I, I think parents need to understand the things that really are going to change lives are going to be the relationship that's developed, the trust that's been developed, and the habits that have been developed to talk things through, and the willingness then to do that, and to realize the feelings and emotions that are always involved in a child's life. Because they're talking to you about somebody they want to have as a friend, but what if this friend is dangerous for him to have? Mm-hmm. And you as a parent think that the friend is dangerous for him to have. I mean, how do you explain that? Right. And that's, it's not a you know, once all written book, like, all right, let me flip to that page. Right. You know, it's different for every situation, different for every friend, depending on what they're doing. And personality. And personality too. I mean, your kids have different personalities. You might have one where you say, you know, this friend, I really would rather not have you hang out with them because there's some habits there that scare me, Mm -hmm. but I want you to love your friend. Yeah. So you might have one son that says, got it, dad. Yeah. You might have another goes, what does that mean? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So 
you have to be able to play the personality yeah. as well. Which and, is so true. And I see that even now with my boys. They're yeah. all so different. Yeah. Well, I have a general rule for teaching and, and when I was working with my kids. It's basically if they didn't understand me, then I didn't say it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, because my younger tendency, my younger me was I told them. Yeah. You know, I don't know what else to say. I used English. I remember my mom saying, do you not understand English? Mm-hmm. It's like I always looked there and said, yes, I do. But I just don't understand what you just <laughs> do said. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I do, but I don't think you understand what I just said either. And if I said that back, I would get be sassy, so I would never say it. So, yeah. I mean, what that does is it shuts dialogue off. Yeah. So if you're saying something to a child, I think one of the, the valid questions you need to ask is, what did they actually hear me say? Yeah. And if they heard you say something different than you actually said, you need to re-say it. Right. You didn't say it effectively. So how do you think you could do that? You got kids. How, how do you think you're, you're talking to one of your sons? How do you think you can get to understand what they heard you say? You ask them. Right. Yeah, explain this back to me. Yeah, and I do that with Aiden. Yeah, <laughs> Aiden know, is your is my oldest son. Okay. You know, and uh, you know sometimes he gets it, and sometimes it's like, huh? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Or or he spits back verbiage that I've used before. Yeah. And it's like, well, then I ask him, well, what does that mean? That was He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so sometimes he has the right answer, quote unquote, but he doesn't even know the meaning behind the answer. He's just heard me say it before. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's, that's a part of the thing. process. I mean, too. that that's okay. Right. Uh, what he's doing is he's respecting you as dad. Right. He's saying, you know, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. But let me assure all the parents listening, I I'm sure you're right. Stops. Yeah. At some point, that stops, and it's just verbiage on their part because right. they're examining way too big of a world. Yeah. Why was Hitler wrong? You know, I mean, why is communism wrong? Right. Why is socialism wrong? Why in the United States is it? the way we do it is right. Mm. These are questions that you need to have dialogues about because yeah. otherwise they're saying, they discover and they have this one discoverable moment where they go, these people believe something totally different. Mm-hmm. What do Muslims believe? Right. They're totally different than we are. Who's right? Yeah. Because I know a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Now you better have that discussion. You, you need that open to talk about because it's not that you're saying Muslims are evil people. You're not doing that. You're saying, no, the Bible says this. There's one God. It's not Allah. There's one God. Right. And, and so since they have a different God, if you look in the Quran and you look in the Bible, you'll see that the description of God and the description of Allah are different. Yeah. So they can't be the same. Mm-hmm. That's what I would tell them. Right. And then I would leave it, by the way. I would just leave it. I wouldn't go into any further lecture or anything else, because depending on their age. Yeah. But now what I've done is I've just explained why I think there's a difference. Right. And I'm going to let them sit on it mm-hmm. at this point. And they can deal with that with their friend, because I'm going to teach them, you always be kind to your friends. You always answer them in a way that's respectful. But you can disagree with them. Right. I mean, they have to learn that. Absolutely. And and I think that's really important. I think this is, this conversation has been beneficial, because I think there are a lot of parents that are out there that might be listening. And, you know, I think that 
that dialoguing with our children is an important thing, whatever age they're at, and being able to teach them and show them the truth. Right. Uh, and and then respond in a, in a loving way. And so hopefully this was an encouraging conversation for you. If you missed part of it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can over, head over to Relate365.com and look for this podcast. And we have a few other podcasts on there as well and some other resources that you can check out. But we always enjoy you guys hanging out. Um, and that's all the time we have for us today. So we'll see you here next time on Younger and Older with Jason and Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.